want you to worship the Lord this morning. Worship the Lord at this moment. Speak to the Lord. Tell him, Lord, you are the way maker. You've made a way. And because of that, you are great. And because of that, Lord, you are worthy of worship. And because of that, oh God, you are the only one who will be the first in my life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, worship the Lord. I don't know where you have been. I don't know where he has take, what he has taken you through. But just like the children of Israel, who would always worship God after he, they had seen a revelation of him. I don't know what you have seen of the Lord this week, but I've seen him to be a way maker. I've seen him to be one who has granted us favor and grace. I want you to worship the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the church family that I belong to. Lord, thank you that you are the father in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. When I think of where you took me from, the things you have taken me through, O oh Lord, I worship your God. You are indeed the way maker. You make a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you are holy. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, we worship your God. We worship your God. We worship you, O God. You are holy God. In spirit and in truth, we come this morning to worship you. I praise you in Jesus' mighty name. You have changed our lives. You continue to empower us, to give us strength for living. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. You've given us church family where we support one another in, in prayer, in kind, in just encouragement. Lord, you are great for establishing us in this family. We thank you, O God. We praise your God. Let's sing. Come on. He 
of Calvary that we might come into your presence with boldness coming before the high priest who's been there. So Lord, thank you for your healing. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for placing us in your family. Thank you, O Lord, for bringing us to yourself. In the name of Jesus, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look into your word once more, may there be healing, may there be correction, may there be rebuke, may there be encouragement, may there be growth in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. We may take our seats. Thank you very much, worship team. May the Lord bless you. And all the effort that you put into it, may he repay you a hundred times over. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, it's not easy. You come, you pray, and then you sing, you know. Uh, and on top of that, all the, the, the practice sessions and, 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 and the transportation and all those um, challenges that we face in the music ministry. We really appreciate your worship team. Um, yesterday was um, interesting. <laughs> so I'll just pick out one thing. Uh, once again, Pastor McDuff and Dr. Melder, happy anniversary. Amen. Amen. We, we really thank God for your lives. Today, I want us to, in a way, continue where we left off last week. We were talking about letting the anointing flow, and we did see that the anointing is simply the manifest presence of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And we saw that we need to continue drinking from Christ for us to be able to overflow. Amen. Because the thing is, you see, for some people, the only Jesus they will come in contact with is you. So if you're not drinking from Christ, what are you going to give out? And uh, tied to that today, I just want to us to look into the issue of growing in our relationship with Christ. Is there a parent here who wants to be interviewed? I want a volunteer. A parent who wants to be interviewed. I will not embarrass you. I promise you that. Any parent? Or should I choose a volunteer? I should choose, eh? Okay. I've been advised <laughs> that I should choose. <laughs> 
So let's, I'll pick two. All right, I'll pick two. So the first one, um, Sister Toer. <laughs> How many children do you have? Two children. How old is your firstborn? He is six years old. Has he always been that size that he is today? Are you sure? So he was smaller at some point. Okay. So what happened for him to reach that size that he is in at now, at six years old? Time? What are the things? What, has, what have you been doing to him? Did he just grow automatically or there were things that you've been doing with him? Physical growth is due to food and time. How did he learn to talk? Company. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're talking to him constantly and then he realizes, ah, okay, I can talk and this is my name. And, and Okay, so would you be concerned or would you have been concerned if he had stopped growing? Why? Growth is expected. So if he stops growing, you would be worried. Or if he was growing in, a, in, in an unusual way, you would be worried. Okay, all right. Now, so if he stopped growing, what would you do about it? And Uncle Lev, you can help, right? Yeah. Um, what, if he stopped growing, you realize this, this boy is not growing, what would you do about it? Seek help. Where? church, hospital, family, you seek help. Right? And these questions I could pose to any other parent. Any other parent. I remember there was a time when I would hold my children with with one hand. I would hold them with one hand. Today I can't do that with any of them. They have grown. And growth is not just physical. There's spiritual growth. There's uh, emotional growth. Socially, they've got to get all these, these, uh, these social skills as they grow up. Now, why am I saying this? The first thing I want us to notice is that growth is ongoing. Maturity is ongoing. You, just, you, really, never, you really never stop growing. You never stop maturing. At any point in your life, maybe physically, I don't think I will grow any taller, for example. I have grown wider, working on that. Um, today, I, I realized, I, I got into this suit today and I realized I, could, I can button it. I, I can button it. I want you to go. So, so you can, there's progress, okay? But as far as growing tall is concerned, mm, not really. Okay, this face used, used to be brighter and, and you know, the, the face that she fell in love with is not this one. It has changed with time. <laughs> okay, so growth continues. Maturity is another issue. Maturity is not a question of size or age. Maturity is a totally different thing. But they never stop, you never stop growing, basically. That is the point that we are making today. Emotionally, you never stop growing. I was with a man yesterday, he... He ran a, a certain corporation back in the day, and he's retired and so on. But I discovered the guy is just, 
he gets so easily emotionally hijacked. The guy is bitter with some things that happened in the past, some people. And this was the first time to meet him, but he just was just talking. Anyway, I realized, hey, emotionally there's work to be done here. But he's, he's, he's a, he could be my father. Right? He's, he's that old. So, why I was asking the questions about growth and so on is because, you know, just as an earthly parent desires for their children to grow, you are checking, you are feeding them, you are changing their diapers, you are taking them for checkups, you, you are looking for, for input from family and from friends to say, okay, what is happening? I've noticed that our child is, this is what is going on with our child and so on. Uh, Amwali, can you tell me some, some tips about growing children or they are now going into secondary school? What do we need to do? Do they go in boarding school or day school? They're, all those things, you, it's because you're concerned about their growth. And pretty soon they come home and they're saying, Dad, um, I want you to meet someone. And you realize, hey, growth is continuing. There's an order coming here uh, in, 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 in not so long. And, and because kids, children are expected to grow. And as earthly parents, as, as brothers, as sisters, we expect growth. Have you ever been in a, what, what, what somebody called intensive moments of fellowship? You're arguing with your brother or your sister. And have you ever heard somebody say, oh, grow up. It's expected that at a certain age, you're supposed to behave a certain way, in a mature way. And as people, we expect this. And God expects us to grow. At all times. We never stop growing in Christ. So today, I'm looking at Growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. God desires to empower you through the Holy Spirit to live a Christ-empowered life, an anointed life. As you continue to let that anointing flow, you will experience a deepening fellowship with God, enabling you to grow in Christian maturity. It's a continued process. You'd never stop growing in the things of God. I remember um, watching Bishop Bismarck two days ago, and he was talking about taxation. I don't know how many of you watched that one, but when you listen to him, you think, you would think he is saying we shouldn't pay taxes to the government. But that's not what he was saying. If it was some years ago, I would have totally misunderstood him. But I think I've grown. And I could understand, okay, this is what the bishop is talking about. Amen? Growth in the things of God. So what does it mean to grow in Christ? It means you're going to increase your knowledge in Christ. Your love for him, your obedience to him should increase. That is at the basic level. Amen? We, we, you can't be where you were last year now. Your prayer life should, should improve. Your love for God should improve. When you read the word of God, things should be better now than they were last year. Amen? Things should be better. Is it interest, interesting that we expect growth, but somehow we are not committed to it most of the time? Because growth is painful. Growth is painful. 
there are things that you continue moving, things you continue changing. I, I'm glad we are in this place, but I, I, I feel like, no, this, this was not the idea. This, this is temporary. Here, this is temporary. Where we are supposed to be is not here. So we need to grow. It means we have to stretch our finances. We have to stretch a lot of things for us to see what that, that dream we had. That dream we used to put on, on the profiles and, and status and so on and so forth. We need to grow. Without growth, that is not going to happen. So what is growth? John chapter 17, verse 3. The Lord Jesus Christ said something there. John chapter, three, verse seven, chapter 17, verse 3. Sorry. The Bible says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So according to Jesus, the essence of eternal life is knowing God. Full stop. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You focus on knowing God, heaven's doors are going to be open to you. Amen? That's, that's just it. That's the basis of it. And you can apply this to any relationship. The moment you decide to get to know somebody, who they really are, what they like, what they do not like, um, the kind of foods they like, and so on. And so on. You, you begin to understand that person. They may have a story which is not nice for you to hear, but you begin to understand some things. You begin to understand. As pastors, we, we get to hear a lot of things. Someone comes and says, oh, pastor, he's been behaving like a devil's cousin, and this is my husband. He's not the one I will... I, Dated, he is something else, and so on and so forth. And the story is told from here to there. You know what I've learned? There's always the other side of the story. Always. And the Bible says the first one to present their case seems right until they are cross-examined. So you say, okay, thank you. Can, I, can you book an appointment for me to meet this devil's cousin? And the devil's cousin comes in. And you ask, okay, there's this issue, what is it? And they tell you a story and realize, aha, now I've got both sides. Now you know where to go. But also you understand, they may not be justifiable actions or behaviors, but you understand why this one behaved in a so-called devil's cousin kind of way. There's always a story. When you put your effort to know, you know the person better if they are willing to open up. So Jesus tells us that knowing God is eternal life. And we are privileged that we can know God now. There are some people who say, I will find out when we get there. There's no, that opportunity is not there. Because it is appointed for a man to die once. And then after that, judgment. So we have an opportunity to know God now. To throw ourselves into a love relationship with God right now and to experience who he is like. That is what begins the process of growth. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Very well-known verses. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and verse 38. The Bible tells us this. It says, 
Jesus was answering this, the, 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 the question posed by the, by the young lawyer. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And he goes on um, to talk about the second commandment, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there are more than 600 commands in the Old Testament. Why do you think Jesus singled out this particular one? That the greatest commandment there is, is for you to love God wholeheartedly. It's for you to love God without any reservation. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. To put your mind into loving God. Your soul, your heart, your everything. You, here you are not testing anything. You are just saying, I would have chosen to love God 100% plus. Why would you choose that one? Well, I know that we looked at John chapter 14 verse 21 last week and also verse 23. Remember, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And then the promise is that Jesus and God will come and make, our, make his, their abode in your life. That simply means they will come and stay. They will take over and they will begin to manifest in your life. If you truly obey the commands of the Lord, if you truly obey the teachings of Jesus Christ, Jesus promises that he will come into your life and begin to manifest himself into your life. Just because you love him, you are going to experience the presence of God. Now make no mistake, it's a part of growth. God is going to start changing some things. And there's, some of them are painful. Amen? Some of them are painful. They, they, they really are. Simple things like the kind of TV programs you like to watch. I used to enjoy watching football a lot. A lot. I will not tell you the team. But I used to enjoy football a lot. Until one time I realized, you know, um, we lost. Our team lost. And uh, you know the way things happen. Uh, there are those who think their team was made in heaven, will talk to you and tell you how your team is so bad, destroy, uh, get rid of the coach, and all these kind of things that men care about. Very important things. And I got so worked up because of some statements some brother made, and this was on Facebook, when I used to be on Facebook a lot. And I got so worked up and logged out of Facebook, and there I was in front of the TV watching the the manager give his uh, interview on how they have lost and why he thought they had lost and so on and so forth. Then it dawned on me. He said, whether these guys lose or win, they get paid. Thousands of pounds, which they have never shared with me. And I said, what do I gain from this? And that was the beginning of the end of my fanatic uh, loyalty to the team. I still watch. I still like the team. But these times, sometimes it's enough just to go on the website and check how did the team do and so on and so forth. Who is there? Who is living on transfer windows and so on. I still follow them, but it's not the entire 
90 minutes. There are times I'll watch through a whole, a whole match, but I'm not as taken up like as I used to. In that time, I had to invest it somewhere. And the Lord said, you invest it in me. To make that switch was painful. The men in here understand what it is like. At least I've got an amen from past. You, you understand what it's like. So there are things that God will come in and say, things that may not even be sin. Sport is not sin. Supporting some team that hasn't gotten a cup for a long time is not sin. Okay? <laughs> Sports is not sin. In fact, there are so many Christians within the sport arena making a difference for Christ in there. Okay? But there are some things God will say, for you, for you, I want you to drop this. Some things God will say. And you say, now that you've dropped this, I want you to put this there. And it's amazing what happens when you obey the Lord. And many times, we don't want to do what God has told us because we are scared he's going to take away the things we enjoy. And that only means we really do not know the love of God. When he tells you drop this one and pick up this one, he's taking you to someplace better. When he says come out of Egypt, our temptation is to remember every time we are run out of water or we don't like God's cooking called manna, we, we begin to say, oh, it was better to be in slavery and eat cucumbers and whatnot than to press on towards the promised land. That is only because you haven't seen what the promised land is like. That is only because you cannot trust the one who has told you there is a promised land where I'm taking you to. We, it calls for total trust in God. So just as it is a natural process for a child to grow in a loving relationship with a parent, so it is also natural for you to grow in your love relationship with God. But there's a war. We have to make a decision to say, I will continue to grow in the things of the Lord. Amen? That's a decision you have to make. Because with the things of the Spirit, we have a very present enemy who does not sleep. He is working 24-7 to bring us down. And so it's a constant fight. It's a constant struggle. It's a constant push. The devil doesn't go on holiday and neither should you when it comes to your relationship with God. Those of you who are married, you know what it is like. One day you wake up and you think you are married to the best woman since Eve. The next day you wake up, you don't even want to talk to her. But you have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing. Amen? There are times I, I, I want to talk and talk and talk and she says, Basi, titigona. You know? Then there are times I don't want to talk. I'm just sitting there. And it's not because we have argued or anything, but we sit there in silence. And it's great. It's great. Sometimes the same silence can be the most piercing you could ever experience because maybe your relationship is not well. But you have had to make a decision and say, we will work on this relationship and do all we will do for it to prosper. Because when it does well, 
it is good for us. Amen? It, it is good for us. And people know when things are not very well. People tend to know. So, what are the things that we need to look at for us to continue growing in Christ? I'll share with you something. There was a time in our marriage when things got so bad. Okay? To a point that we decided we're going to seek help. We are going to look for help. That meant being vulnerable to somebody else. So we sought out someone and we went and presented our issues. Several meetings. This didn't happen in one meeting. It was several meetings. And uh, when the story was told, there was one who I gave my side of the story. She gave her side of the story. And, and uh, when we did that, uh, the one we were meeting with said, okay, now this is what I see from what you're telling me. I've seen this, 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 this. These are the things that we need to work on and so on and so forth. So it was thrown back to us. But after all is said and done, what I realized was that we simply stopped talking to each other and we were operating on assumptions. That was it. You were supposed to come home with this. You didn't. You don't care. So the assumption is, you don't care about me. This is what we had talked about. You didn't do this. So uh, I don't really feel like you are, you are not prioritizing my interests over yours. And so one assumption builds on another one, builds on another one. Before you know it, you have a wall that is keeping you apart. And so we had to learn to start talking with each other again, to be vulnerable with each other again. And that was the reason why we did not um, continue to be vulnerable with one another. It can be many because maybe we have hurt each other before and we've hurt each other again and again and again. And you begin to build walls because you want to be safe. You don't want to be hurt again. Okay? And, and, and that created... From a little dust storm, all of a sudden we had a tornado and then we had a hurricane, perfect storm. But here's the issue. The communication is what suffered. In any relationship, communication is vital. Honest communication. I'm not talking about, hello, how are you, brother? I'm fine. That's a nice suit. Thank you very much. Welcome to church. That's very surface communication. I'm talking about the Communication that has intimacy with God. Intimacy with your husband. Intimacy with your wife. Intimacy was described by one as into me, see. Look, at to me. Look into me. That's what intimacy was described as. It's not the dictionary definition, but it made sense. So the moment you begin to cover up, you're building a wall and there's a conflict. And... With that in mind, I want us to look at some of the issues that, um, some of the elements that are going to help us to grow in our walk with the Lord, with communication at the base. I want you to, to know that God communicates with us all the time. Amen? God communicates with us through the Bible. He reveals himself and his character at all times. It's all here. It's, um, this book is amazing. When you're connected to, to, to Jesus Christ and you're reading the Bible, this book, the same verse, you can read it today, it will 
talk to you in one way. You read it tomorrow, it will talk to you in a different way. Why? Because the Spirit of God is the one who is giving illumination and say, today I want you to look at this aspect. Today I want you to learn this. Today I want you to learn this. So it's a living book. Because the one who wrote it is alive. He talks to us through here. Amen? Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 is one of my favorite verses. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching. We need to be taught. Amen? We need to be taught. I'm always amazed with people who have walked with God for a long time saying, sometimes to me, saying, I learned something new today. Thank you very much for the word. And you're thinking, "Mm, no, I should be learning from you. (laughs) It's amazing. Teaching does not stop. Learning should never stop. So the scriptures are good for us to be taught. Teaching says this is the way. This is how we do things. Okay? Scripture is also good for rebuking. You rebuke what has been taught. So we'll teach you, okay, uh, we should not lie to one another. So somebody lies, you rebuke them and you say, no, scripture says we should not lie to one another. Let's speak to each other the truth in love. A rebuke says, stop, you're going the wrong way. It's actually love. Amen? Christ said that those whom I love, I rebuke in the book of Revelation. Scripture is also good for correcting. Because when when you are taught this is the way, and you are not going that way, you are stopped in your tracks and say, you are rebuked to say, no, this is not the right thing. And then scripture says, let's do some correction. I remember when I was in school, there were some very difficult subjects in standard one called arithmetic. And no matter how, I, how many times I did it, one plus three never equaled five. And the teacher would say, go back and do correction. You remember those, those days? Go and do correction. I would go there and I would work it again and one plus three for me ended up being five somehow. I just didn't get it. But finally... Maybe after seeking some help, I would, I would say, okay, one plus one, two, three. Oh, it's four. And the teacher said, okay, now it's correct. That's what scripture does to us. And God will not rush you into the next class until you have done with the class you're in. Ask the children of Israel, 40 years. Because they hadn't passed that class. So God will take you round and round and round until you get it. And when he get, you get it, he'll say, aha, now you can move on to the next step. Scripture is good for correction. And also it says that scripture is good for training in righteousness. Training. With training, you do many times the same thing over and over and over and over again until you get a skill. The skill becomes second nature. Amen. That's what happens in sport. That's what happens in music. In the, there are things I did a long time ago. In my history, I started playing guitar at the age of 10. That's why I just pick up a guitar and I start playing. I, I'm not thinking about it. But I've done it over and over and over again. Some people are amazing. 
They go into the kitchen. The ingredients are there. They just think, ah, let me bake a cake. And they bake a really nice cake. For me, I would have to get the recipe and be told where to start, what to do, and so on. I have to read and say, oh, okay, now, or beat the eggs, and so on and so forth. For some people, they just do it because it's, it's second nature. In the army, I'm told there's a saying, what you have taught has not been lost. So, in the teen years, did a lot of jogging, taught each other some martial arts, backstreet martial arts, and so on and so forth. Fast forward, I received Christ at the age of 17. And uh, fast forward some more, I think I was around now 2021, 20, about to leave college. I go to my uncle's home, and he loves dogs. He keeps all sorts of dogs. He had this, I think it was a German shepherd at, the point, at that time. And I'm coming home, and this dog charges at me. Now remember, born again, spirit-filled, everything, right? This dog charges at me, and I, I, without thinking about it, I just stood in a certain way. And my uncle said, ah, Abu Sasama Bangais. Because of my martial arts background. It was taught. Trained in it. So the scripture is saying. This verse is saying that scripture is good for you to be trained. You should reach a point where someone comes and says. What we'll do is. uh, This invoice. You should have been trained by righteousness to say. I'm sorry I can't do that. You're not going to pray over it. No matter how many thousands you're going to save. Or supposedly save. Because you have been trained in righteousness by the word of God. Hallelujah. So how would you define each benefit described in this passage? Where are you? What is God doing with you at the moment? Is he teaching you? Is he rebuking you? Is he correcting? Is he training you? Whichever is happening, I can assure you one thing. God is doing it because he loves you and he wants you to grow. Hallelujah. He's doing it because he loves you and he wants you to grow. That's it. Full stop. And if you do not trust God wholeheartedly, it will be hard for you to put these things into action. You have to trust that God loves you. Number two, the first one I said, God communicates with us through the Bible in which he reveals his character, he reveals his will. Number two, we communicate with God through prayer. These are the things we should think about in terms of growth. And at the end, I'm going to share some actionable steps that we need to take all the time. Prayer is where we share our thoughts, we share our needs and our desires to do God's will. Prayer is where we've been given an opportunity to, to speak with God. And I want us to turn to the scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. We've talked about this scripture time and time again. But I do not mind reminding us about these things. Because these are critical. The Bible says in, in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
How many of you are anxious? I was anxious a few days ago when I read the communique that schools are going to open soon. Because I had taken those fees and put them somewhere. So I was thinking, oh boy, will I get it back in time? Ndawe kuja school fees ya afikano yuti fetisie kuja school fees ya antwi. It needs to go to the schools. And so I was anxious. But then I stopped myself in my tracks and said, no, wait a minute, God, help me. I need to make so much by such a, time, such a day. And it started happening. Amen? Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, everything, how much is everything? Everything. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, because we know our God is in control, because we know our God will hear that prayer. Because we know our God cares for us and he will make a way. He's the way maker. Weren't we singing this morning? God is going to do something about those things. We present those requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the reason God it makes it so, such that our hearts and our minds are guarded is because he still wants you to think straight, to think properly, even though you are under pressure. I've interacted with some people who have very stressful jobs. The nature of their jobs is stressful. And yet, these are some of the calmest people you would ever be with. Yesterday we met with somebody like that. He's uh, in the judiciary. When you meet them at their home, you think, ah, everything is well. But when you read in the, in the media the kind of cases they are handling, you say, what's the connect? They are one of the most peaceful people you'll ever meet. Until you realize this person trusts in God. And they have a very strong prayer life. The peace of God transcends all understanding. Amen? First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, This is the assurance we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Key word, whatever we ask should be in accordance with his will. That's the key. And his will is revealed to us in here. So don't you go about asking God to give you somebody's husband as yours. That is not in his will. Amen? Mm. It's not in his will. When a brother or a sister is doing well, it's not his will for you to start praying, God, business that's, that's, that's not God's will. You are supposed to encourage them and to say, we are happy for you that things are going well. And may God bless your business. Amen? There's no way you can pray for someone like that and God not water you as well. Hallelujah. So, pray according to the will of God. You are praying to God to be able to deal with this debt that is a yoke on your neck, that is not giving you peace and so on and so forth. Well, the first thing you have to do is to stop borrowing. According to the will of God. And there are verses we 
I don't know if we, 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 we recorded that message. I remember preaching about how to get out of debt from, from, from the Bible. And there are steps according to the will of God. You begin to pray that way. God will surely take you out of debt. Because as we saw Deuteronomy 28, the first 13 verses, debt is not God's will for you. Hallelujah. So stay in God's will. Everything that you pray, pray in God's will. And if there's anything I've learned about the culture in KICC is this. Is that when people say, let us pray, usually it comes from a verse. We're praying scripture. You can't go wrong with that. Because we know when we pray scripture, we're praying according to the will of God. He hears us. And we know that when he hears us, whatever he asks, we know that we have have what we asked of him. So God is speaking to us through his word. We are speaking to him through prayer. So that's the second litmus test. How is your prayer life? How is it going? Because there you are tapping into the one who made the heavens and the earth. The one who loves you. You are tapping into the resources that God is in our lives. For us not to be burdened down with all these things that we shouldn't be burdened down with. And we have an open check in everything by prayer and supplication. Present your request to God. They told me I need to lose 10 kgs to look like a normal human being. So I'm praying. Help me Lord. That as I exercise and watch the things I eat and things like that, that you bless these things. And it's happening. It's a lot of work, but it's happening. Amen? Yeah. You praying God, praying to God, asking him for, 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 for a life partner and so on, God will start asking you to be a certain kind of person. And you commit yourself to that. And in his own time, he'll bring somebody. He will open your eyes to somebody. Amen? You're saying, Lord, things have not been well in my business. You pray. You say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. God is going to bring people who talk to you about how you get word out for your business, get the right kind of clients in, through the right kinds of ways and so on. That a, a door will open and God will make a way, but you have to do the work. And it starts in prayer. Amen? So just because every other business has got a Facebook page, doesn't mean yours should have a Facebook page. Because the clients you want may not be on Facebook. You understand? Yeah. For example, like in consulting, you go on Facebook looking for leads, you're wasting your time. Go to LinkedIn. As an example. So these are things I'm saying because there are things I've come to learn. That not everybody is, is... if, if you want people to learn about washing hands and how hygienic it is, somebody pointed this one out. It was very interesting. It was funny, actually. So there was a time, there was a year where there was a cholera outbreak. And we saw people standing at, uh, when you come out of Area 47, Sector 4, uh, Wandiro, we saw people standing there with placards telling us about how you need to wash your hands after you go to the toilet and things like that. They were standing at roundabouts in Area 18, roundabouts in Area City Center, and so on and so forth. You went to Old Town, those things weren't there. So a friend of mine says, now let's think about this critically, okay? When cholera outbreak is there in Lilongo, which are the areas which are hit? Come on, which are the areas which are hit? High-density areas, Chisapo, uh, Kauma, places like this. Likuni. So what, what are you doing with that message in city center? 
That's the question he was asking. He was saying, this is a wastage of resources. They would have reached more people if they would have simply taken those messages and put them on a radio people like to listen to the most. And that at the time, it was Zodiac. He said that message would have gone out. It would have been effective. Because most of the people in these areas, that time, used to listen a lot to Zodiac. I don't know if it has changed now. But it used to reach a lot of people that time. And that was what I needed to take my business at that time to the next level. Amen. God answers prayer. How is your prayer life? I want to encourage you. Pray to the Lord at all times. Pray to the Lord with God's people. Amen? Even if it means we come here every Saturday to pray. But some may not be able to make it. Even if you just said, guys, in our CHF, let's do a prayer meeting that is virtue on WhatsApp. It can happen. Amen? Pray. Pray. Communicate with God. Don't assume anything. Because God is communicating to us through the word. And in all things, give thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. You give thanks because you know God's on the case. He hasn't dropped the ball. Amen? Third point. We communicate with Christians through fellowship. This is where we encourage and build up one another. Listen, we need each other in the body of Christ. Everybody who has Christ in their lives, you cannot go at it solo. You should not go at it solo. We need each other. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24 and 25. The Bible says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting each other together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We were taught a few weeks ago by Pastor Mamadi about the importance of the fellowship of believers. What happens? So why is it important to spend time with other Christians? One of the reasons is that we, to use a term from biology, cross-pollinate. Because the things that I have learned from the word of God are not exactly the same things you have learned from the word of God. When we come together and we begin to talk, We begin to share the word of God. I begin to learn something that maybe brother Isaac has learned, which I had never given thought to. Because the way he thinks and the way I think are different. Okay? As someone who is in accounting, he thinks in a certain way. I am more of a trainer, I think in a certain way. Alright? So the way he looks at scripture and the way I look at scripture are different. So it could even be the same verse. And he says something and I go, hmm, I never thought of that. Oh, I've learned something about that. Amen? We need each other at that level. We need each other to pray for one another. Because there are some times when life gets hard and you just need somebody to pray for you. 
not give you advice, but just pray, just to know so-and-so is praying for me. That alone, the prayer aside, but just knowing that I've got somebody who's covering my bases, you, you, you are good to go. You keep going. Amen? There are times when you need a kind of um, input on a particular issue. There are some people who have come to me and I said, Pastor, the way you dressed today was nice. Next time. <laughs> and you just know. <laughs> There's this sister, not, I will not mention the name, says, but next time, when you wear a black shoe, make sure your belt is this color. When you wear a brown shoe, make sure your belt is, and so on. Because she's kind of fashion conscious and she cares how her pastor looks. You know? Me, I'm not a fashionista. I... <laughs> I, I wear my clothes and my wife says um, you wear the black jeans which is what I did yesterday and I was told you know, it wasn't me I had to tap on somebody else okay someone says if you want good quality pictures for the live stream that you are doing I recommend these kind of devices and so we did that, and we have a live stream. Amen? Someone who's not even in KICC, they are in their own church, and they said, we are doing live streaming. If you're considering live streaming, consider this, 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 this. Have this, 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 and you do live streaming. And we're like, oh, okay. Why didn't we do this before? And we started. So we need each other because we keep learning from each other. We have got different kinds of, of, um, of expertise. The body of Christ is critical to us. Amen? The body of Christ is very critical. So let's not give up meeting together. I'm not talking about just coming to church uh, because the COVID issues are, the COVID debate is on and on and on. on. Uh, there was a lot of talk about, no, don't go to church because rates of infection and so on and so forth. But now there's talk about going back to school and everybody seems to be agreeing with that. That's when you realize, Amen? That's just the truth. But anyway, the point is, how, however you're going to meet with the believers, do it. And encourage each other to do good. Spur each other towards love and good works. Because if there's anything that the world desperately needs right now, is love. Genuine, godly, agape love. Hallelujah. People want good deeds that come from a good heart. Somebody said, the next time you're going to give a donation at an orphanage, please leave your phone at home. Just go and do ministry without me and the orphans. Just genuine, sincere love. I know there's a place for promotion. And advertising, especially if you're doing corporate social responsibility. But you know people can tell when the, when the help is genuine. They can tell. Just, just good works, good deeds. One time I was coming from somewhere and I just decided I'm going to drop, on, drop into this family's home. And we just sat there. I can't remember what I was given. There was some kind of sobo, I think. There was some kind of juice. And uh, some crisps. 
and we talked. We didn't even talk scripture. <laughs> we just talked and talked and talked and talked. Not even 10 minutes. I walked out. I was encouraged. They were encouraged. And that's it. Amen. We need each other. So, the fourth thing. We've talked about God communicating with us through his word. We communicating with God through prayer. The third point I've talked about communicating with believers through fellowship, being together, encouraging one another, moving together. And the fourth one is communicating with non-Christians through our witness of the gospel. Amen? And this one um, is very critical because we cannot be happy with being the same number at all times. We need to grow people. Even in terms of new people who are coming into the body of Christ. So we need to share with others about Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible tells us these words. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? Salvation is found nowhere else. In no one else. Because there is only one name that has been given under heaven by which we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. What would motivate you to tell somebody else about the love of God for them? What would motivate you? Why would you want to tell somebody that God loves them and that he sent Jesus Christ as payment for our sins so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Why would you want to tell somebody that story? Why is it important to you? One of the things that has happened in the world is that the world has beaten down on Christians so much that we have cowered under that beating and we want to be politically correct and we don't want to share the gospel. Because when you do share the gospel, they'll tell you, hey, you are now evangelizing. This is not the place. There have been places where they say, here, no proselytizing. Basically, don't preach, don't share with us your belief. And we have cowered. And we know people from other religions who are not apologetic at all. A brother shares of a story. Took a bus going to, to Zomba from Lilong. And the bus got to, just after Liwonde, as you're going up Machinga Hills. It was around noon. And this man, he was Arabic looking, and he had all the attire. And he, he asked the, con, the, bus, the bus driver to stop the bus. And they stopped the bus. And when they stopped the bus, he said, please, just, just 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. You know how they do it. Just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And they said, okay, 10 minutes. He got out with a little mat next to the bus, put it down there, and he started praying. Because for him, it was time for prayer. No apologies. But somehow, when we begin to talk about Christ, and people say, hey, we cower. And we don't want to tell people the greatest news ever told. The greatest story ever told. If we are the ones who stand here and say, Lord... The one you saved has come to worship you. 
The one you healed has come to worship you. The one you redeemed has come to worship you. We should be able to tell others and say, you know what? Jesus will make a difference in your life. You need to know my Jesus. And this is why. In season and out of season, you should be able to tell them. Amen? If they say don't do it during work time, do it during break time. Do it during lunch. One of the things I would say um, when I used to interact with people where we were taught no sharing of your, your faith is that maybe, let's say something serious comes up, something very um, stressful comes up. And I would say, yeah, these are stressful times. You say something like, yeah, these are stressful times. But for me, my God assures me that he's got it all covered. I'm all right. Uh, we, we don't talk faith here. And so on. I said, no, I'm just telling you my personal convictions. And I let them deal with that. You tell people, you know, God loves this country. I remember when, when, when there was a political instability last year and so on and so forth. There's a place that I go to regularly um, as I transact business. They, somebody got talking about, oh, this nation, it is going down in the dumps and so on. will never be redeemed. Nothing good can come out of Malawi and so on and so forth. And I said, no, no, Malawi, things will be well. I'm convinced God loves this country and he will redeem us. I said, why, why do you say that? Have you seen all the history? I said, no, I'm looking, you're looking at the history. I'm looking at the future. I'm looking at the faithfulness of God. Because if Malawi should have fallen, there have been plenty of times when Malawi would have been a failed state. Plenty of times. 1992. Operation Wenzani, was it? 92? Yeah, 92. The army could have taken over the country those two days. They could have. Because they had completely subdued everybody. But when they had finished what they wanted to accomplish, you know what they did? That time we didn't have a presidency. We had a national consultative council. Okay? And at that time, the secretary was my father. When Operation Benzani happened, he was in South Africa doing some work with the then, uh, I think it was Fred Insel, who was the, the serving president of NCC that time. So when that started happening, they said, there's a crisis at home, you need to go back. So they took a flight, came back. By the time they were landing at the airport, when they were landing at the airport, they met with the army general. And he told them, he said, as far as we're concerned, you are the ones in charge. We want you to tell us what to do next. What we wanted to do we have done. I am telling you, if it was West Africa, we would have heard there's a military ruling in a certain country. I, I keep saying, God loves Malawi. And there have been times and times again when we would have gone down to the pits of destruction, civil war, but it has not happened. So I was confident when I was telling them, mm -mm, the God I know, will not allow this to happen. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. They never said anything until when I went there last time, I was wearing my mask with a KICC branding. So someone asked, what do you do? I said, I do business. That's why I can say, no, 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 no. Where the, the, that logo. 
I said, that's the church I go to. He says, yes, but what do you do? I said, okay, I'm one of the pastors there. He says, aha. That's what they said. Aha. But who knows what God is doing through me when I go to that office in that person's life? Because they begin to see certain things. Amen? So pick up opportunities where you are and share Christ. Share your story. Growing up, we used to sing a song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising the Savior all the day long. This is why stories are, are effective. Stories are effective because they happened to you. They did not happen to anybody. They happened to you. And it's difficult to argue with a story that happened to you. When you tell them that I used to be addicted to alcohol and God forgave me and he freed me from that, they have a story they can verify. That he, he actually used to be addicted to alcohol and God saved them from that. Hallelujah. Your story is powerful. So tell the story of what Jesus has done in your life. And help others to come into the kingdom as well. Amen. That's all we are saying. If you like the program Unshackled, which has been running for years. A ministry that has been running for over 100 years. It's simply because of this. They tell stories of lives that are changed. And it's hard to argue with those stories. Amen. And we all have stories. Stories that would not only help others uh, come to the kingdom of God, but stories that would help others grow in their walk with the Lord. Stories that will help others be encouraged when things are hard in the Lord. Amen? Everybody has a story. Tell your story. So God is communicating to us through his word. We are communicating with God through prayer. And we are, we are witnessing, we, we are communicating to one another through the fellowship that we have. We are communicating with others who do not know Christ about the Christ we have with the intention that they should join us in the kingdom of God. They should also be partakers of the kingdom, the, 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 the eternal life that God has given us. We should tell this story because Jesus said there are other sheep which are not here. In this, in this pen, in this collar. There are more that need to come. But you know, God is not going to go there for us. He's expecting us to go and get them. I will be happy when this place is too full for just two services. Amen? Not because the pastors are preaching, but because you, where you go, you are telling your friends and they are seeing your lives and then they begin to say, we want to come. Amen? That's what God expects of us. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to understand verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, 
nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. I want you to understand that growth is something that God does. Amen? Growth is something that God does in your life. He will use Paul and Apollos. He will use somebody in your CHF. You use somebody you listen to on the radio for you to grow. But understand that God is working through that for you to be able to grow. And we have said growth never stops. Hallelujah. The day you stop growing is the day you die. It may not be physical death. But the day you stop learning, the the day you stop being corrected of the Lord, the day you stop being rebuked of the Lord, the day you decide, I don't want to be trained of the Lord, is the day you die. The day you decide you're not going to continue growing in your marriage is the day your marriage dies. The day you decide that you are no longer going to care about the things of God is the day you die. Amen? So I want us to be committed to growth. You cannot be mature spiritually by trying really hard. Okay? I've taken to farming recently and I've realized that uh, when you plant your plants, last year we did rice. When you plant your rice, you don't come there and say, hey, grow. Quickly, grow. Oh, the rains are coming. Keep growing. Come on. Keep. No, you plant, you leave it there. Whatever happens there and however it happens is a whole different story altogether. That's, that's God's instituted biology, biological processes to happen and then the plants grow. You can't try hard to grow. Amen? You can't. I remember there were times when we were training um, in the volleyball team in school. And when you came, you would start right at the bottom where they would say, watch. And so here you are watching the training. Not even the game. You're watching the training. They just tell you, watch. And you see them do the exercises and they're running this way. They're doing those squats. You remember, Pastor, they're doing those squats and all those things. And and you're saying, hmm, I should be doing this. And that's all you did that day. And when it came to playing the ball, there was one team on this side of the net, the other team on this side of the net. They will tell you, when the ball goes out of the court, your job is to go and collect. And you're thinking, really? (laughs) I want to play. But you know what they were testing? Your loyalty, your obedience, your trust. Because you get to learn that the next time Maybe the third, fourth time around when they tell you, let's do the exercises, the warm-up exercises and the ones that help you develop the technique of directing the ball or serving and so on and so forth. You realize, hey, this is, uh, this is hard. This is hard. And they'll put you through the paces. You will train, you will train, you will train until the coach says, now you are ready. All you need to do is obey and do what you're being told. There will come a time when they'll say, the skill has been developed. You are now ready. And when they said you are now ready, 
at school we used to practice and there were all these tournaments with the polytechnic and bunda and everything there were all these tournaments and the coach would draw up his team and i am in the reserve <laughs> so they'll say we have got a match at poly we are going so we leave zomba we go to poly you are not even on the substitute bench you are in the reserve you just you just watch just watch. You'd love to be there, but you just watch. You just watch. Until a time came, they said, you are ready. Now you can play. But even in the playing, I was almost always on the bench. When the matches came to. But because you keep going at it, you keep going at it, you keep going at it. There came a time when I made the first team. Trouble is, I made the first team in the year when we started making noise about multi-party and I never played again. (laughs) But the point is, you can't grow by trying real hard. Just put yourself through the paces and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Read your Bible. Tell people about Christ. Spend time together with other believers. God will be at work in you, producing fruitfulness and maturity. Amen? Just put yourself through the paces. So I want to challenge us this morning. Set aside, number one, time for prayer and daily devotional Bible study with the Lord. Set apart time. Set aside a place, if you will, for daily Bible study. Your personal Bible study and prayer. It may be hard. You can start with five minutes. That's okay because I know there's a time it's going to be 10. And there's a time it's going to be 15. And there's the time when you say like David, the word of God was as sweet as honey. And before you know it, hey, it's been hours. I've been going through and learning these things and it's been hours. The important thing is you must start. I want you to set a time, aside a time and a place to be with fellow Christians. Okay? Because just like one stick on its own does not burn for a long time, many sticks together will burn for a longer time and even brighter. It pays to be together with believers. Hallelujah. It, it pays. So we have a CHF where we are. I'm there. I'm also in the CHF at 49. I'm not so sure how I'm going to do this because all the CHF seems to happen on a Tuesday. I would have loved to be in the others too. Because I, I get encouraged. I, get, I learn a lot. But I've only got Tuesday to deal with. Where we are, we, we do it on Monday, so that, that works out. Uh, Tuesday, is it? Okay, Tuesday. 49 is on Monday. And it's virtual. It's, it's through the phone. And people are talking, and people are giving in things they have learned, and examples, and we're asking questions, and so on and so forth. That one, on Monday, I am fed. I'm encouraged. Okay? And I don't go there as pastor. I go there as a member coming to attend. It helps. So on Tuesday, in our CHF there's somebody else leading. So we discuss, we talk, and all, and all that. And it helps. 
Saturday, we come for prayer. I, we come, we pray. And after prayer, here's the funny thing. People can have pro, pro, programs on Saturday. Oh, I want to go there. But we almost always end up being late for where we are going to. Because after prayer, we, we end up chatting. It's just great. We, we talk about how, I think it was uh, yesterday, Brother Patrick was saying, you know, I've come cycling past. I was like, yeah, yeah, you've come cycling. You know, but you don't know the whole story. I've been, he's trying to evangelize me into cycling for, as an, an exercise. So I was like, yeah, you've come cycling. Yeah, I know. He says, no, but I've come cycling. Yeah, you've come cycling. But he was gently pushing me towards that area. Okay. So we, we not only share scripture, but we also share life, which is very important. Amen. Set aside a time and place for daily personal Bible study and prayer. Set aside a time and place to be with fellow Christians, even if it means just calling and saying, how are you today? A brother managed to achieve something today. I called him yesterday. I, I called him and said, I'm happy for you. May God bless you as you continue going on. That, just, just a message, just, just to encourage him. Because it's been a lot of work for him to achieve what he achieved. He has achieved. Amen? So whether you call, whether you send a message, whether you go in person, but make it a point to set a time, a time apart and talk with other believers and fellowship. Number three, look for opportunities to share your life in Christ with those who do not yet know Christ. Amen? There are always openings for you to share how important Christ is in your life. There are always openings. If you're expecting them, you'll see them. Amen? Not too long ago, I was telling my daughter to say, you know what, it's funny what happens when you have an expectation. Okay? So there was a time when we were expecting our firstborn. All I could see were expectant mothers. They were all over the place. And I would pick them up like I've got some kind of decoder. And I shouldn't see an expectant mother in some kind of problem. I would go and help because for me, it's something that I'm, we are going through and I know what it is like. So the baby was born and all of a sudden I begin to notice parents with babies. <laughs> I begin to notice parents with babies. And there, there was a time, you know, I've, I've, I've told you about my, my dream car, which I want to have one day. I'm driving and I keep seeing these cars chasing me all over the place. I'm here I am driving along in the car that we have and all of a sudden, you know, he, it's worse even when they overtake you. Eh? So you're like, that, that should have been me. I've got an expectation. I've got an expectation. I'm trying my best to be able to learn scripture and to be able to communicate it well. And when I'm on the radio and or, or I'm listening to the radio or there's some message on TV and so on, I've, I've begun to pick out the ones that, that are good at it. Why? Because I want to be like that. What you expect, you begin to see. All over. You begin to realize, ah, this is, this is possible. Oh, there it is. So-and-so so has it. Oh, there it is. So-and-so has it. Oh, there it is. So-and-so has it. When you expect to have opportunities to share Christ, you begin to see them. Did you hear that? You begin to see them. They are all over the place. Hallelujah. 
So we have talked about God communicating with us. We have talked about us communicating with God. We have talked about communicating with one another. We have talked about communicating with those who do not yet know Christ. These things, when you begin to do these things, you grow. Amen? You grow. And growth is expected. When growth is not happening, please seek help. You remember the interview we did at the beginning? If you weren't here, watch the live stream or listen to the audio. I interviewed a parent who was saying if they saw their kid is not growing, they would seek help from friends, from the hospital, from the church, and say, we have a problem, we need help. If there are things you are struggling with in your life, seek help. Amen? From people who will help, people who will not broadcast the issue. But they will stand with you and you say, okay, let's work on this until it is done. And I have said, even last week, I think I was, I was saying it last week to say, it is easier to work with people who want. When someone comes and they say, I need help, that person is ready to be beaten black and blue and let, until their problem is solved. They are willing to do all it takes until they get what they want. They are a joy to work with. Let, let's have humble hearts. Humble ourselves and say, Pastor, I wanted to come and see you. In short, I've got a problem here. But that means you are willing to work on it. Amen? Otherwise, it will just be a waste of time. And there will be no growth. So, this is what I wanted to share with us today. Pick up those action points. Implement them into your life. And see God's faithfulness in your life. See how we will grow. We, we are happy with exponential growth. The kind of growth which, which, um, which is too quick, <laughs> so to speak. But even if it means you are going to grow from 2.2 to 2.3, it's okay. Because at least we know there is growth. Amen? Oh, I can't, you come in the morning to pray on Saturday for one hour. I can't pray for one hour. It's okay. I'll tell you what you do. When you come here to pray, there's always somebody who leads in the prayer. Okay? And they say, let's pray for God to anoint us for service. You just pray that. Lord, anoint me for service in the name of Jesus. Okay? If you run out of words, this is what I used to do. If you run out of words and let's say there's a brother or a sister leading, I would pray what they are praying. I would co literally copy what they are praying. So I would pray what they are praying. Or right now, let's pray for the service tomorrow that God will anoint the preacher, will anoint the, the worship team, will anoint everybody serving, will anoint everybody coming to the... So I would say, oh, okay, okay, Lord, I'm praying that you anoint the preacher. Okay? And as, as the more you study the word, you will know what to pray for the preacher. You pray for their strength. You pray that they'll be healthy. Because some of these things we take for granted. A preacher can be sick Sunday morning and things go haywire. 
You pray for their health. You pray that God will strengthen them. You pray that the message they are preaching shall be from the word and it shall be uncompromising. That the message will come with power. Now, what I'm telling you now, these things I'm telling you are scriptures that I've read. But there was a time when I would say, Lord, I pray for the preacher tomorrow. That they will preach good. Um, Amen. You look around and everybody else is still praying. It's okay. You will grow. Until I cracked it, I said, ah, so what I'll do is I'll just pray what the one leading is praying. I used to struggle with night of prayers. Me, I used to struggle with night of prayers. But when I cracked this code, (laughs) I would pray what the one who is leading is praying. Because it's very difficult for you to doze and lead a prayer service at the same time. So that one, I I would ride on their strength. And many times I would make it. Many times I would make it until a point where, oh, okay, now you are leading the night of prayer. I'm so like, oh, okay, now it's on me. And I realized, oh, okay, I've been trained. Amen? But it was a growth process. It was a growth process. So make a decision to grow. Today you, you are at 10. Tomorrow, next year, if you are at 11, we'll praise the Lord. If someone is at, was at 10 together with you and they're at 15, we'll praise the Lord and we'll celebrate both of you. What we're celebrating is growth. Hallelujah. We're celebrating growth. So make it a point to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as far as we are in this life, in these bodies, we'll never stop growing. Amen? Hallelujah. Make a commitment to grow. It will help you. It will help your family. It will help the church family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make a commitment to grow. That is all we are saying. And we have lined out four points, four elements that will help you to kickstart that in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that has encouraged us to keep growing in you. The Apostle Paul says said in, in scripture that he did not consider that he had reached the goal, but he kept on pressing on towards the goal which you had set for him. All the days of his life, he sought you. He sought your face. David continued to inquire of you all the days of his life. And you called him a man after your own heart. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to grow. You want us to listen from you, from your word. You want us to pray to you, O God. You want us to communicate with fellow believers, to encourage each other to love and to good deeds. You want us to share the story that you have formed in our lives with Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. I thank you, O God, for this word that has come this morning. Let it sink in into our lives, O God. For those who make a decision to grow, I pray, God, that you honor that decision. And you begin to show us that the things you ask of us to let go and to take on are good for us because you love us in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you, O God, that as we do this, O God, our lives will get better, our families will grow, our marriages will grow, our marriages will flourish, our businesses shall continue 
to exhume, exceed, or oh God, to, to just show your presence in, in, in them as we deal with the different kinds of people. Let there be opportunities for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end that people will say, I need your God, I need this Jesus that you have, for that is why you have put us on this earth, O oh God. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, it's time to give. I want to ask those who have brought a uh, tithe, just slip up your hand. If you've brought a tithe, anyone a tithe? Okay.